Cornish for Connection Operation Shanahan, joined by Tyler Sprinkle. Here we got our first uh, in-person show. This is the first time we've gotten to do this in person. How's it going, Tyler? Good. How are you? I'm good, man. Good. Good to be here. Unfortunately, I'm in town for the was here for the Michigan game, which of course didn't go very well. But you were there too, so you got to experience it as well. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say it was a good time. I mean, the the buzz around the stadium was really fun. Um, having those other big uh, big companies out there doing their shows, it was it was a cool atmosphere to be in. Um, unfortunately, the game didn't carry that that same excitement. Down 14 nothing really fast, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But it was fun to be there. Uh, a little hotter. I got than I thought it was going to be. You got some sun. I got toasted pretty, pretty <laughs> much too. I, and I rolled up my sleeve, so I just got the perfect little oval right on the side yeah. of my arms. It's a tough look, but uh, yeah, I mean, the it's such a magical place that it's hard to like chalk up any any day down there as a as a loss or like. A, Bummer. Cause I still would have rather been been there and seen them kick at, get their ass kicked than almost anywhere else in the world. Yes. So, so there, there, there's the balance. There was a weird energy because there's obviously a lot of you know expectation as far as well as the number two team in the country. They've been blown by everybody in the Big Ten uh, for the last couple of years at this point, and now coming into Lincoln, but then there's like just, just this little sliver of like, but what if? Yeah. What if? Yes, that was floating all throughout Lincoln on Saturday. Everybody was like, no way we win this game. But as you said, what if? What if? And, and that was a whole set selling point for me. I, well, not, not much of a selling point needed to get to Memorial Stadium, but <laughs> just like the, as far as like me getting amped for the game, it's like, yeah. what if? Like this, this is like a program changing win if we yes. could pull this off. And now it, it did not go that way by any stretch of the imagination. No, it was. Uh, Unfortunately, it looked like the game was over when it started. Um, Michigan just drove the field right away. And when you get the ball, Harbor turns it over right away. Um, down 14 nothing, really fast. Can't really get anything going. Uh, we had a couple drives that we did something with. Um, the fourth down turnover, that was tough to see. Uh, you like to see your quarterback stay on the ground there. Um, you know, missed field goal. That sucks. Um, still got faith in Albano. I know there's no reason for me to. I just feel like he's going to be a quality kicker. Just needs to figure it out. Um, but it was fun for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of coming into the game, I had like these bullet points. Nebraska does this. If they do this, if they do this, then, then they might compete. One of those was the defense has to play great early. Well, that didn't work out very well. Mm -hmm. Um, now, granted, I'll, I'll also give the defense credit because I feel like they're going to get shit on all week. They weren't giving up huge plays. Like, it wasn't broken coverages. It yeah. wasn't just them getting bullied. It was, like, still six, seven yards of carry when they wanted it, which isn't great. It's not a winning formula. Yeah. But they still had to earn the, the, those yards through the first drive. So I'll give them credit there. But you still got to get stops, create turnovers, which they didn't. Um, and hats off to Michigan for being such a disciplined football team. No yeah. penalties throughout the entire game. No turnovers. Real business businessmen like, and then you have special teams that needed Alvano to get a couple of field goals, or at the very least, like give the the threat and the confidence when you get down into that part of the territory. As far as well, even if we have to settle for three points, it's still three points. Yeah, that didn't work out. And then you know the offense, no turnovers. Not like win the turnover battle. Not like these moral turnovers that you know I talk about with Harburg, where well they're more takeaways than turnovers. Just nothing. 
And the second play of the game, it's a turnover. Yeah. Uh, a little wobbly stuff, but I mean, over three as far as what I had, what I was looking for for, for a good game and, and just total opposite. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, we do get some kind of comfort in not getting absolutely blown out on every play. Uh, no busted coverages, but there were down and distances where you're like, you know, we got them here. This like is the third 14, and then they pick it up. And that was just so demoralizing. Um, nothing seemed to work. It didn't really seem like they wanted to be out there. Um, but, I mean, it was an uphill battle all day. I'm sure they knew it was coming. Um, at least we got to see a Fleeks touchdown. That was really I mean, cool. shout out to Joshua. Please. I, he might be the best player of the game. Yeah. <laughs> and he played for, what, four minutes? Yeah, it keeps the, the shutout streak going. Or How big is shutout streak? Yeah. That's huge. I mean, if you want to talk about the moral victories that we can pick up here, they're few and far between. That's one of them. It's just not getting shut out. Yeah. Especially because I was talking some shit about I will get shut out <laughs> last week. And if they would have just turned right around, it was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. But... <laughs> I think it would have been the first time since like 1968 they would have gotten shut out yeah. in, in Lincoln. Just crazy stuff. And we don't have too many more of those streaks. I mean, we have two oh. two big ones. Yeah. That's all we care about here in Nebraska since we don't win much. Yeah, that, that and the sellout streak, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's not much else uh, to really hang your hat on. But we still got them. Yes. Still got them here. But Thankfully. Um, I, Before we kind of dive into the game, also the first podcast that we've talked – that we've gotten on the air since the announcement of the $450 million renovations to Memorial yeah. Stadium. Some real big improvements, seatbacks, really modernizing the stadium, making it a huge asset to the school and to the athletic departments. Um, it, it does come at a reduction of capacity of up to 20,000 seats um, as they're constructing, and then another few thousand like once it's even settled. I mean, it, it it's tough to like chalk up like a – it decrease in capacity is a win, but with the changes, I mean, like Trevor Albert said, this is the, the the first step to maintaining Memorial Stadium for another 100 years. Yeah, and the outside Memorial Stadium looks awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very classic. Like, you yeah. recognize that stadium. If you're walking around that concourse, it is so bad. Like, everybody's just on top of each other. Nothing mm -hmm. really makes sense. The whole concourse isn't connected. The bathrooms are disgusting. God forbid you enter in the wrong side of the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Then you're you're stuck. You're stuck. You have to get scanned out to run around. Yeah. Um, losing the, I think it was about ten thousand. Mm -hmm. All said and done, um, I think it's going to be a good thing because they're making the students, the student section, a lot more yeah. pronounced and known instead of just keep shoving them in the corner to get away from the field. Um, so I think that's going to be good. Um, they said they talked a lot about acoustics and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So the stadium should be louder. Um, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. It needs some updates for sure. And and also, and I mean, this isn't part of the stadium upgrades, but I first of all, it's the only college football stadium I've been to in recent memory where they not only accept cash, but it seemed like they prefer like they were places where I couldn't use a card and they had children selling runs. I, 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 I forgot that that was a thing. Yeah, I got overcharged because they don't use cash registers. So they, the 14, 15, 16-year-old kid turns around, tries to count up from the menu that I got, and types in like a little thing and charge you. Um, I mean, like I was, children, like it was supposed to be eighteen dollars. I looked at the receipt; it's twenty-eight dollars. Okay, 
but so yeah there's some there's some things that definitely need to be changed about that place but um, it was nice to kind of go back in, in time you, you know you have the the, the, the coliseum-esque feel to it so you have the, the bench seating you have the child labor um yeah. But I am very excited. It seems like a, a very big quality over quantity kind of move where I feel like there are some stadiums, particularly in the Big Ten there, like we just want to squeeze as many people in, in this place as possible. And, and that's great. And that provides a different atmosphere for sure. But like Trev said, this is going to be the thing that kind of sets the tone for Memorial Stadium going forward. Um, and I, I think this is a huge win. Yeah, I agree. Um, Memorial Stadium definitely has that feel of just packing as many people as you can mm-hmm. in there. Uh, one downside of this is certainly going to be the ticket prices. Um, those are for sure going to go up. Um, I'm sure they're going to re-implement the, the raffle system. Everybody has to go back in the raffle every year to get season tickets. Man, that'd be heartbreaking. So a lot of people are going to be real pissed about this, um, but I do think this is like a necessary improvement. Yeah, and season ticket holders are probably the, the biggest loser here, which feels shitty that uh, the people who have been most loyal to the Husker football program kind of gets the short end of the stick here. But you're right. I, I mean, this stadium needs some some upgrades to, to keep up with the times, and I think this not only gets us kind of caught up to where a lot of other stadiums are now, but future-proofs us quite a bit to where you know this is a, a an improvement. Obviously, if you're spending half a billion dollars on it, you hope it lasts for a little bit, but kind of future-proofs the, the environment there and keeps Memorial Stadium an elite atmosphere in college football. Yeah, next uh, is probably going to be that real grass field that a lot of the NFL players are talking about. Um, yeah, this is a, all good things. I mean, I know that a lot of people have a lot to say about this project. Mm-hmm. Some people, a lot of people are really pissed about it, but I don't see really any bad parts about it. Just yeah. making the stadium just better. What's yeah. wrong with that? Well, yeah, what's wrong with that? It makes it more efficient, makes the concessions and everything better. Um, so, so, so huge win there. Um, so to make it even uh, a little bit better, uh, more comfortable environment to watch Nebraska lose 45 to seven, you know, teams <laughs> like Michigan here. But first thing I kind of wanted to get into it is one that I think that we were on different sides of the aisle on, and that's a uh, quarterback play. I feel better about Henry Cardberg after that game than, than I did going into it. And, and I don't know if that's the case unanimously. I don't even know why. Because I think that he – so where I feel worse, I'll start with that. I feel worse schematically is that he only got nine carries, and it didn't seem like he was um, put in a position to to succeed running the football. They ran a couple of options with him. I did see him pitch the ball once on a speed option. That was new. I forgot that you could do that with him. Um, but it didn't seem like he was a big part of the game plan as far as running the football. And when – those first couple of drives go in, and it's not working with Anthony Grant. Anthony Grant coughs up the, the ball on a fumble. I kind of expected that. Now, Grant, they were down several touchdowns at that point, so in theory, you got to think the the easy logic is, well, we got to throw the football and catch up, and you know that is what it is. But even when he did that, he's still he's still not an, a great thrower. Still not a great facilitator. But he was good enough, and he wasn't – he was still oddly efficient and gave his playmakers an opportunity to make the ball, to get the ball and make plays, and still fairly safe with, with the football once he got it past the line of scrimmage, which is driving me nuts. Six foot five, I don't know why that's an issue here. 
Yeah. Um, so I disagree with you on everything that you just said to me. Um, so, yes, our plan was to run the ball. He's a good runner. Can't throw the ball. Uh, when you're playing a team like Michigan and you go down early, you need a quarterback. You don't need a running back. Um, the fact that you can't assist your team in making this comeback because you cannot throw the ball. If you want to run so bad, go to running back because we need help there. Um, it just it didn't seem like we had a chance um, due to the fact that we, we got down so early. And I know he can't throw the ball. I mean, there were slant routes that he's throwing a yard and a half behind him. I mean, there's no timing there. There's no – it didn't seem like he had really any urgency to get the ball out sometimes. When you're when you're playing those teams, you need a playmaker that's going to be able to throw the ball. You can't rely on the run, especially against the number two team in the nation where they are very good at stopping set of runs. And you're not wrong there. Let, let me rephrase a little bit. I don't feel good about him as like a long-term fit. Sure. I don't think he's, you know, the, the future that we build around. Yeah. And I think I understand you're talking like the rest of this year. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I understood that. I've seen things from going into this game. I, I was thinking I haven't seen anything from him that I don't think I could see from Jeff Sims. And I, I think it got a little bit more of that. Because I still think he was efficient throwing the football. He still had almost 200 yards, 14 to 25, eight yards in attempts. He did have that one pick that was bad at the line of scrimmage. So efficient to me, not explosive by any means. And yes, when you fall down, not game changing. We need game changing those kinds of games. In those kinds of games, I'd also like to mention we're not going to have another game like this. Right. So I think going down down the, the stretch and, I, and the brightest timeline is Jeff Sims was available there, and he's healthy and he can kind of make plays with his legs and then hopefully take better care of the football than, than, than he has in the past. Um, and then I could see that. But I think especially for this week, I, I think Henry Carberg should be QB1 regardless of who's healthy. And then well, you it's can, a short week. So it is a short happen, week. Yeah. yeah. But but then you can sell me on, okay, we're going into the bye week. We can reevaluate things depending on how the Illinois game goes. But now that we've seen it against like a really – like not just like a good defense for – compared to the team that Nebraska played so far, but just a truly elite defense. He was still able to, to move the ball in some sense, still able to take care of it. Um, a little bit delayed on, on a lot of those plays, like those slant routes. It didn't seem like he was three-step three drop, hit your guy. But he didn't throw it into the chest of any defenders. He, he well, tried. He, well, he tried, but they didn't catch it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I still feel like he gives us the – and just the, the flashbacks of, of the Jeff Sims interception in the end zone and the interception on the game-winning drive, and fumbles against Colorado. It's just the, the, there's just a sense of, of security that I feel good with him. And I think there's also a sense that now he's gotten three starts, the, the, the rhythm's all with him. And if you were to bring Jeff back, I, I kind of feel like that that's an unnecessary disruption with, within the, the offense that has a little – bit of rhythm-ish compared to what, what I felt like we saw in Minnesota, or at least some type of cohesion-ish. Uh, whether or not that's translated, I don't think so, but that, that's kind of, kind of where I'm at. And if the, the roles were, were reversed and Harburg started and he sprained his ankle and then Jeff Sims came by and, and did this, I feel like I'd be on the same boat here. But, I mean, you kind of have to go 
put the hot hand here. And while it's not very warm, like a hot pocket that's been in the oven, uh, been in the oven for you know 25 minutes, mm -hmm. I think he's still kind of the, the more the guy that everyone's more comfortable with, with at this moment. I see what you're saying. Um, I just I disagree, and I'm probably on the. Um, I probably have a bad opinion, or at least a lot of people think I have a bad opinion on this, but I don't want to watch this offense anymore. It's so boring. Grant was falling asleep during the LA Tech game. We were at the game. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't always have to be flashy um, to be good football. I don't believe that. Mm. But this is just its tough to watch sometimes. And maybe that's just because I want so badly to have just a an electric offense mm. to watch. Um, it's just boring. It's boring. And I just want to see what Jeff Sims has because I know, like, just watching his past years, like, I know he has some electric shit he can do. Mm. And I just want to see it. I want to be excited to see that kind of stuff again. I don't want to see this guy run the speed option, never pitch the ball. Yeah, he might take it 70 yards one time, which is exciting. But I want to see, like, I want that that excitement on every play. Like, this might be the one. Um, I don't know. That's that's how I'm feeling. Um, not saying that Jeff Sims. Well, Jeff Sims definitely gives us a better chance to beat teams like Michigan, just because he has that that raw right. talent mm -hmm. that Harvard may not possess. Um, but you're probably right that he might be the better option to go with against Illinois and Michigan State. And, Northwestern, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, and moving forward, I mean, these next four games are really going to determine the, the, the fate of first rule, uh, year under Matt rule as far as expectations go, because, I mean, it feels not great to be sitting here three and four, losing to, to Michigan. Well, I mean, that, that one we chalked up pretty well, but losing to Minnesota, losing to Colorado, um, and then just picking up wins against La Tech and, and Northern Illinois. But I mean, these are four winnable games. I mean, there's not going to be a game the rest of the way, unless things implode, where Nebraska is going to be more than a 10-point underdog. And that's generous to team like Wisconsin and Iowa, who stink. Uh, but these four are probably the four most winnable games on, on the schedule. And then you pick up momentum to take into Camp Randall, and then Iowa comes, comes to Lincoln a couple weeks after, and I mean, six wins is still very much on the table, and the, the thought of picking up four wins in a row is just, I mean, that seems unheard of at this stage of the game. Yeah. That's all I want. I just want to go bowling so damn bad. Um, I just want the players to have that feeling of, like, we finally accomplished something that we set out to do. Um, obviously, every team is like, well, let's go win the national championship. Unfortunately, that's not <laughs> very uh, easy for a lot of these teams in FBS, but I think just the building block of getting that six-win season is going to do a lot for the program. I think so, too. And just kind of getting that bugaboo off our back where I think we're the longest tenure team in the Power Five without a bowl game. And whatever oh. our streak is, I think it's the longest in Power Five, which is insane. Shit, I don't even remember. I want to say it was the Georgia one, but I don't think that's right. I think there was one a year or two after that. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a, a different life. It feels like a century. And it, it's it's crazy that that's what, where the bar is, considering that we've fired now two coaches 
who uh, who have better winning percentages than Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz, real college football legends over there in Eastern <laughs> Iowa. Um, they got statues, and you know our guys got pink slips. Um, Sanders are different. I get that, but it just feels like a different world. And I would just like for for that to kind of reset the bar, and just to kind of get that bug back. And and you know, I it's it's a tough look losing that bad, but uh, the schedule lightens up here, and I think we got some good opportunities here yeah. to, to kind of get back to playing teams that are more on our expected level. So our last bowl game was in 2016. It was when looks like we beat Tennessee. Oh no, Tennessee beat us 38-24. Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. What a name drop. Franchise yeah. quarterback there. He threw for or ran for three touchdowns, 118 yards, and threw for 291 yards and another score. Next Tennessee beats number 24 Nebraska. 2016. That feels so damn long ago. I mean, we were one year removed from high school. That would have been my Gretley's second year. Was it the 2016 season or was the bowl game played in 2016? Had to have been December 30th, 2016. Okay, so it was the 2016. So yeah, Mike Gretley's. No, that was his first year. Yeah. Wow. Holy smokes. So so that's three coaches to go. <laughs> and early on in his tenure too. Yeah. It's like a more like two and Three quarters of a coaching tenure. That's just a testament to Pope Lee, how great he was here. I mean, it's crazy to think about, but I mean, he's still still around. Maybe is it? Yeah. Actually, I I, mean, I don't want to get there myself. He wouldn't ever come back. To no, I wouldn't if I were him either. No, no. <laughs> I mean that. Yeah, no shit. But nonetheless, lots of good stuff coming up here. Um, lots of good. Hopefully good feelings coming up here starting Friday night with Illinois. Do you like the Friday night games? I think I do. Um, Matt Rule said something about this today in the press conference where he doesn't like night games because they're just sitting there all day waiting to play. Um, So he likes to just get the game out early is what Mm -hmm. he said, I think. Um, But I like the night games. I think it brings a lot more excitement. I think the players really – like playing in that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So obviously it goes both ways though. Like we're both teams are feeling that way. Um, but I do. And for good or for worse, you know, it's going to be all eyes on this game. So hopefully we can maybe not look like shit, but. <laughs> and it's such a, a football guy answer. I just want to get up and get yeah. playing football. Yeah. None of the, don't care about the lights or yeah. the, the this or that. Like, just give me, just give me some football for breakfast. Yeah, that's all I. Um, yeah, I'd like it a lot more if they were good. Yes. Um, I, it feels like, and this is probably just every game, but it's magnified when it's like a, a standalone game, like a Friday night or Thursday night or yeah. zero, and then just to throw out a stinker like, like Nebraska has against Minnesota and against Western last year. Yeah. I mean, it feels like every game they play at this point. Um, let's see who else is playing on Friday. Let's see what competition we have here. <laughs> and like during the, the the Minnesota game, I was just hoping that that Florida was going to get their doors knocked off. Like, I just don't want to be the laughing stock of college yeah. football to start the year again. So it's Kansas State, Oklahoma State. That's it. So Nebraska, Illinois, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. I mean, if Kansas State loses that one, that that's a that's a 
tough one to beat as far as laughing stock. And their game will get over earlier than ours. Well, presumably you'd expect at least. Yeah, they started six thirty. So, yeah, maybe nobody will even be paying attention if Nebraska <laughs> gets blown out. Well, lots of lots of good stuff here. We have our updated corners for connection rankings here. We'll we'll dive into here. So not a whole lot of, of changes. Um, I know the only changes I made were, were towards the, the bottom. Like I swapped yeah. out uh, USC and uh, Oregon. Um, I threw in Oklahoma in my top ten for the first time this this season. Um, there's a couple of uh, teams that like Washington State were, were thrown in there. Um, I just I. I think they're just playing hard-nosed football, and I think it's kind of getting overlooked. Certainly nothing um, nothing will matter if they lose th- this week, but it, they certainly caught my eye over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff on here. Uh, looks like Brooks doing everything he can to keep Georgia in our top ten. I mean, he's really <laughs> he's really working. We got some help from the, the AP poll yeah. here this week to, to help that out, but – yeah, I mean, I just look – okay, so, so, so let me just go down the list. Texas, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon, Washington, USC, Oklahoma, Notre Dame. Okay, all of the 10 of those teams that I mentioned have not had close calls with unranked teams. Correct. Florida State's got two of them. Back-to-back. Yeah. Back-to-back. And, yeah, they had that, that good win against LSU. LSU Which now looks yeah. way worse now that they lost to uh, Ole Miss – yeah, depending on how Saturday goes in College Station between Alabama and Texas A&M, the LSU could be the fourth best team in that yeah, division. Yeah, and I mean it's the SEC West. I that's get it. A, yeah, that's all I fucking say about the yeah. SEC. Oh, it's SEC. What yeah, absolutely. Play? SEC defense giving up thirteen hundred <laughs> yards in a game. I mean, the Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray offenses couldn't put up seven hundred yards every week. <laughs> Outstanding stuff. Um, but yeah, Florida State. I mean, they're they're, they're hanging on. Fortunately for for Brooke and his agenda, um, Florida State's not going to have, shouldn't have any trouble the rest of the season. But that also kind of raises the expectations. Like if you have another stinker where you beat Virginia by by six points, I mean that's a that's a bad look. You you don't kind of only have you know points to lose here at at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, They keep playing these close games. They might mess around and and eventually lose one of these to a. Team that they should certainly be beating, um, but it looks like we're in agreement for most of the teams on here. Um, I mean, besides Florida State and Oklahoma that you have on yours, and the only other difference is I have Ohio State a little bit higher than everyone, quite a bit higher than everybody. And number two, yeah, well, yeah, I it, I still don't know what to what quite to make out of that top four because I mean that. You got to give some benefit of the doubt to Georgia and Michigan for for the talent they have, for what they did last year, and what they carry over into this year, and what we've seen from them on a on a year in year out basis. But then I've also seen teams like Ohio State beat up on a, a top ten team in, in Notre Dame, and Kyle McCord's gotten better every week. And then Texas went to Tuscaloosa and took care of business. Now they've had a few weird games where it was close, like in the second half with Kansas and Wyoming. But then, you know, they, they turn on the Jets, they put on their big boy pants and, and kind of run away with it. And, you know, to, to box score watchers, it, it looks a lot more competitive than it is. And I, that might be the most impressive win um, on the road. But it, it's just it, – it's tough to, to kind of gauge here as far as what what I've seen and, and what I believe and what, what I'm seeing on paper here. 
Yeah, I will say I, I feel as though you have Washington uh, permanently low, uh, in my opinion. As I've stated before, I think that they are certainly up there for top teams mm-hmm. in the nation with just the way that they're playing right now on both sides of the ball, the altered phases, if you will. Um, I mean, Washington State still doing their thing. I think that Notre Dame win is big. That's why I put them back up in the top 10. Um, you know, that's a big bounce back game. Uh, they had all 11 guys out there, I think, for the whole game. I guess I didn't watch, but that's an improvement from last week against uh, Ohio State. Yeah, for me, those three teams right there, as far as Penn State, Oregon, and Washington, those feel real interchangeable. Um, yeah. I really like what Penn State's done. I really like, you know, Oregon's performance last week. And it doesn't seem like they've shown many, many faults outside of that game and, and Lubbock in week two. Um, Washington kind of struggled with uh, with uh, with Arizona a little bit there. Michael Penix Jr. only had 378 pass yards. Oh. Couldn't even get to that 400-yard mark that he's gotten <laughs> to every single week this year. But, um, yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah, I, I wouldn't have any issue move, moving those, those guys around interchange. But obviously, this week, Oregon and Washington will tell us that is going to be an insane <laughs> game. I mean, what an outstanding slate. I mean, that's that might be the game of the year. And, of course, I'm going to be at a damn wedding. Oh, my gosh. What a disaster. Yeah. What? A, oh. I mean, you got to I mean, sneak in an AirPod there. <laughs> Like those old guys at the beginning, <laughs> big ass headphones Yeah, I, I love to just still see that around. I haven't seen that at a college football game. They were all over us on Saturday. They were just, <laughs> just headphones on, listening to the radio. It was great. I mean, it's it, it's kind of the, the best experience there. You get the well. I mean, I guess you don't get to absorb the, the crowd as much when you yeah. have the headphones on. But that's a, that's a good way to do it. And I remember working at uh, AM five ninety. We would have like the we had two different feeds going on. One was like the, the instance over the air feed mm-hmm. that those guys are listening to there. Then we also had like one on like a 42 second delay on Z92. So you can sync it up with your TV. Oh, like Cox cable. Um, obviously it wasn't perfect because different providers have different delays, but yeah. that was kind of the, the thought process there. So yeah, wild world. And yeah, that's not a bad way to, to, to listen to a football game. I have, I have not seen that at another college football stadium now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. There's probably not a whole lot of uh, old folk that run around with their headphones on anymore. But. You know, that's another good point. Now that I'm thinking about the, the last few college football games I've been to, the crowd is way older. Yeah. Like, I, I was thinking, like, in my time at the TCU game, those TCU fans are the best-looking college football fans I've ever seen in my life. And Nebraska is definitely the oldest college yeah. football fan that I've ever seen. Yeah. Life. That's a good point. But one last thing that, that I put together here now that we're starting to, to kind of get into um, now that we're in the, the college football slate, I put together this graphic here. This was what our college football playoff would be like. So we got uh, Georgia, Texas, uh, Washington, and Michigan there all fighting for the Cornhusker Connection Cup there in the middle. Shout out AI for putting that bad boy together. <laughs> I love that final four, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this would, that would be so fun to I watch. think so, too, especially because it is a year where it feels like Texas is up, but maybe Georgia's down a, yeah. a peg from where they've been. Um, Michigan and Washington, just that stout Michigan defense and that grinded-out offense versus Michael Penix and the, the showdown. The high-flying Air Force. Oh, so, 
I mean, that, that, that stuff did not stuff. I, and I mean, you can kind of swap these out. I mean, swap Michigan out for Ohio State. That's awesome. Swap Washington out for Oregon. It, it feels like the last couple of years, there's been like a team that, that gets in there or a couple of teams where it's like, man, they're just not up to, to the level. Like, like, uh, like last year, Michigan got in. They couldn't even beat TCU. Yeah. I was disappointed to see them get in, but I get it. Um, you have a, a team like Cincinnati a couple of years ago who just couldn't quite compete with, with, with Alabama. But this year, it feels like, you know, it probably goes six, seven deep as far as teams that you can throw in there yeah. and just get an outstanding die. That's why I wish this year was the year that the 12-team playoff took effect because, wow, would that be fun. Because there are so many great teams that you could put in there right now. Um, and, yeah, it's early. I mean, we're finally starting to get into the thick of a lot of people's schedules. Um, but also to note on this Final Four right here, two fantastic color match games. Like the burnt orange versus the red and black and the all purples versus, you know, the, the blue, white, and gold. That's really a incredible. wide spectrum. Yeah, yeah it, it would be incredible to watch those two teams or four teams rather fight it out. And I'm glad that you mentioned the 12 team playoff because I also put together that graph. Oh, hell so, yeah. So, um, so, of course, those four teams get the first by first round on stage to the higher seeds. So, Ohio State, Fresno State's in there. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, Florida State, Oregon also hosting, and Penn State, Washington State, Ohio State, um, USC, and Notre Dame also getting in there as well. And this is just according to our rankings. Mm-hmm. So, um, Outstanding stuff. I mean, this would be electric. Oregon, Penn State, what a showdown that's. Dude, that would be an incredible game. Those top two quarterfinal games would be insane. I'd like to think Washington State is good enough to beat Florida State, but it's sometimes the Cougars. I know, and I love Washington State. I love them. Sometimes in those big games against those big programs, teams just do not match up very well. Um, and I don't know, Fresno State is definitely the uh, the black sheep in this this whole scenario. Yeah, it, Fresno State hosting a college football playoff game is crazy. <laughs> but I love it. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the, the bright spot. That's what we love so much about March Madness is the underdog getting some, some momentum and making a run. Yeah. Um, kind of opening up that, that spot for, for Fresno State or Tulane or – it's funny because now that SMU is going to the ACC, they're going to have a less likely chance of making a playoff yeah. as a as a power team. So that's funny to me. But um, well, lots of good teams that, that have come out of the group of five over the last couple of years. Of course, Boise State had their run. But just an outstanding slate. And I, I do wish that this was the year that we could get on board with it. But nonetheless, still a, a great slate of college football going on this week. We'll kind of break that down. Here later on in the week on Fortnite's Reconnection. Also got Bookie Brook and the boys. We had we had a week. We, we had a week. Uh, the final numbers are so getting calculated. Um, not a very good week by no. any means, but um, it, it was, in fact, a week. But lots of good stuff coming up here. Daily football content here on the Fortnite's Reconnection Network. Any final thoughts here about uh, the last week and kind of where we're sitting at here today? I think Nebraska's on the right track. I think we are – well, we're obviously going through a rebuild right now. Um, not just players, but culturally. The team is rebuilding itself from the inside out. It takes time. Uh, we've gotten better 
every week, I feel like. I mean, it's hard to see that in this last game mm-hmm. because it was so one-sided. But again, just the lack of like 75-yard plays that we let up or, you know, just doing whatever they wanted whenever they wanted super easily, I feel like this changed a little bit. So that gives me a lot of hope. Um, but it's going to take some time. I believe in this process here um, and go Jeff Sims. All right. Well, I mean, I was on board with it all the way up <laughs> until the very end, but I, I do think it, it's important to kind of take a step back. Cause I got caught in this, the, the stream either. I'm seeing what coach prime is doing in Colorado. Like he can do that in one year and we can't even, you are so diehard of that play. I mean, you it, see something, you see a lot of people I say something the, and you're like, yeah, fuck that. Well, cause I, I'm seeing like, like the gap from going to the worst college football team in America. Yeah, that it's just even a middle of the road six seven win team is insane, and that the thing that Nebraska can't even go from. Did we get four wins last year? I think we had three. Yeah, three three wins to six wins. Yeah, I mean that's. But then also, but like I said, you, you got to take a step back. The entire roster turned over for Colorado, and, and, and that's the thing. He yeah, added like a handful of players, and just because his way is working, doesn't mean that our way is right. Enough. Correct. And, and I, I believe in the process. I think I, I do think that there's a lot of confusion between people who are just disappointed with how things are going and people who think that this isn't going to work. Yeah, I, I think that's crazy to, to kind of jump on that board and just a depressing way to be. I mean, how 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 bad would it because I did kind of feel this way with Mike Riley as soon as he got there, like, it's not gonna work. and it was a miserable way to be yeah. it's so much better to even be a little bit more delusional. Yeah, why can't we beat Michigan if we do yeah. all these 18 things right? But it's a, it's a bad way to be. I'm not going to be it. I, I think good things are on the road. It is kind of disappointing that um, the Big Ten West format's coming to an end, and we haven't been able to kind of take advantage of that. Uh, I had that this talk the other night. Be, certainly the year to do that. I don't know. Again, there's still a chance. I mean, granted, it's going to be – you would have to have a lot of – Good things happen for Nebraska, and a lot of bad things happen for other teams. Like but a starting quarterback still, out with the season-ending yes, injury. There's I mean, still a chance for us to win that Big Ten West, albeit very delusional for thinking that. But there's still a are chance. we though? The Big Ten West is bad, but we're also bad. that's the thing. But I mean, if we get a game up on on Illinois this week, I mean, that's another team that's kind of in the the, the shit storm. It's going to come down to to Wisconsin. But if we go. I you know I will we'll talk about this yeah. later this week. There, there is a path which yes, is there is a path insane that there's still a, a viable path to it. And I I think I need you to hold my hand and walk me through that path just so I can see exactly what we need to do. You know what? That's exactly what we'll do <laughs> later on this week. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of walk through the the, the path. path of delusion. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but I think that'll do it for from us here today. Corners for connection, daily college football content on every app on your phone at this point. Uh, we got TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> gas, uh, YouTube, Twitter. We're everywhere. So just type in Corners Connection. You'll find our beautiful ones. <laughs> <laughs>